Hello, beloveds, and welcome to Christian Emotional Recovery, a podcast for those who are survivors of childhood trauma, emotional neglect, and narcissistic abuse. This podcast is hosted by Rachel Leroy, a college professor and trauma survivor. Many of us spend years trying to heal and don't get anywhere. We don't always target the trauma itself, which is so often what keeps us stuck. This podcast is where faith meets science. Rachel is an emotional healing expert with 20 years of experience applying healing modalities that helped her start making progress after nothing else worked. She'll show you how to do the same. Each week, we'll cover a topic that will show you how to heal trauma for good. Please check out our website and show notes at christianemotionalrecovery.com and join the Facebook community, Trauma Survivors Unite, Christian Emotional Recovery. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Season 2 of Christian Emotional Recovery. This is Episode 4 of Season 2 of Christian Emotional Recovery. And today, I just wanted to give you a word of encouragement because this podcast does a lot of strategy, a lot of technique, a lot of practice, because just like the description of the podcast, it is where science meets faith. And the one of the reasons that I started this podcast was that I felt like people in general, but Christians especially, needed special encouragement, and I wanted to educate people on how to heal trauma, because a lot of people are not trauma-informed, and I wanted to start helping people to learn that they can heal their trauma, but it was to be focused in the body and to heal in the mind and at the source of where the trauma began. I saw so many people stuck and I myself was stuck for so long. I was doing the work. I was putting in the time. I was doing the healing work and I wasn't getting anywhere. I was spinning my wheels in the mud. And so I wanted people to know that there was nothing wrong with them. They weren't deficient and that they could heal. And doing that through the body and through the science and through the sources of trauma and narcissistic abuse and emotional neglect and other forms of emotional problems, that if we get to the source of those and we use the latest technology and the latest science and the latest psychology and research, that we can heal our trauma. But... In getting caught up in all of the technical stuff and all the practices and strategies and modalities, sometimes we forget just the basic message that God will heal your emotional trauma and abuse. So this episode of season two, episode four, is God will heal your emotional trauma and abuse. And I just wanted to put out a word of encouragement And a few years ago, I did a YouTube video um, on my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is also called Christian Emotional Recovery. And I did a YouTube video a few years ago called God Will Heal Your Emotional Trauma and Abuse. God Will Heal Your Emotional Trauma and Abuse, where I just encouraged people that they can heal and that God can heal them and that God's radical love is the source of all healing, including any trauma or difficult emotional issues that you may be facing. And so there's... Like I said, it's where faith meets science. It isn't just about science. And that's why we need to focus on applying our faith and our relationship with Christ and our relationship with God to healing. And while our relationship with God and Christ should not be based solely on those things, the fact is that God's grace and God's love can be a source of healing for us, especially if there are certain thought um certain thought philosophies or uh, even religious beliefs that we've bought into that can actually re-traumatize us and cause trauma. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a little bit. But this episode is just a word of encouragement and a reminder of why we do the healing work. 
and that God's love is radical and his grace is scandalous and that God will heal your trauma and emotional abuse. Those are not just words. God's word promises us healing. God's word promises that he will love us and never leave us and never forsake us and that we cannot separate ourselves from the love of God. And there are people that try to preach things that contradict those promises, but you cannot contradict a promise of God. And while there may be other truths to consider with those things, sometimes it's important just to remember why God loves us and that God does love us and that the trauma and the abuse and the neglect and the traumatic situations that we're still trying to heal from is not, not the way that God wants us to spend the rest of our lives. Okay, so just keep that in mind. So, you know, I understand what it's like to be entrenched in the process of trying to heal and not getting anywhere. I know what it feels like to try to heal and not get anywhere. I know what it feels like to do daily affirmations, to pray, to write in your journal, and to make a little progress, but to feel like you're doing 10 times as much work as the results you're seeing. I know how frustrating that is. And then you start to feel like there's something wrong with you. And then, unfortunately, I'm just going to put it out there. Sometimes in the religious community, well-meaning people can actually re-traumatize you because they say, well, you're not praying hard enough, or you don't have enough faith, or you're just um, impatient because God's timing is mysterious, or um, you're being punished for some kind of sin that you've committed. And I've heard it all, and it's always put back on us. And I'm not saying that it's not our responsibility to heal, but it almost sounds like it's our fault that we're hurting. And I hear more of that coming from the religious and spiritual communities than I do anywhere else. And that's why I want to see faith be a place where people can... Like, like, like you've heard before, church should not be a social club for perfect Christians. It should be a hospital for sinners, a hospital for those who are hurting. And I believe that the whole body of God, and I believe that Christ himself, and that Jesus should be our safe landing place. I'm not saying we're not responsible. I'm not saying we don't sin. I'm not saying that bad things don't happen if we make mistakes and do stupid things. All of those things can be true. What I'm saying is that just because you're hurting, just because you're experiencing trauma, just because you've tried and worked your butt off, and you've not made much progress in your healing journey, and you feel like you can't get anything right, that I'm not, I'm saying that you're not necessarily being punished and that there's anything wrong with you and that it, that you're deficient. You're not deficient, but you can feel that way. I felt that way for years. And what's sad and scary is that the very people who may have been well-meaning and may have loved me and told me those things were some of the very people who had, you know, contributed to that trauma. And in some cases, it might have been emotional abuse, narcissistic abuse, neglect. And so I'm just saying that I want to see Christians in a place where they're not being re-traumatized in religious and spiritual communities because it can happen. And that's why we have to be so, so careful. And that's why I'm so passionate about people being trauma-informed because very few people understand the nature of trauma. And that's why I want to educate not only people who have suffered from trauma to let them know that they can heal, that there's nothing wrong with them, and that the way they're responding is completely normal for anybody that's been in their situation, but also people who love people like that, that they can help them instead of actually hurting them Because sometimes they may be well-meaning, but actually make things worse. You can't just tell somebody, oh, relax. Um, Just chill out. Why don't you stop worrying about everything? I've heard that my whole life. I know you get sick of hearing that. I get sick of hearing it too. And that's why I wanted to just come on here and to remind you that if people are telling you that, they mean well. And I'm not saying get angry with them, get combative, get ugly, or anything like that. But when you hear that, and when you're already in a place where you're dysregulated, and you're already feeling fear, you're already angry, 
you're already scared and maybe even feeling terror, having a panic attack. You don't need somebody telling you, oh, chill out. Oh, just relax. Oh, why are you doing this again? What's wrong with you? Why can't you learn? And I am telling you here and now that that if you're doing the healing work, there is nothing wrong with you and that is not your fault. Now, if you just feel sorry for yourself and you're not trying to do anything to heal, then, you know, there's not a lot that can be done for people that aren't willing to do something to try to make it better. But I'm talking to the people who are doing the healing work, who are trying to take responsibility, who are praying, who are doing healing modalities and things like that. And still struggling and still not getting anywhere or still not getting very far. So the whole point is, is I wanted you to know that if you feel like you're entrenched in this place and stuck, that that is a normal experience of trauma. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not deficient. And even if you've tried for years, you still can heal. The key is, is that a lot of people, like I said, are not trauma-informed. Trauma is based in the body. It's embedded in your neural network. It's embedded in your skin cells, your tissues, your organs, your muscle memory. It's embedded in your brain. This is not New Age woo-woo. This is science. And it's been proven again and again and again and again. And advances in the last 20 to 30 years have proven that trauma is a physical-based response and that it can be healed. But it takes a specific set of strategies and modalities. And so I just wanted to tell you that you can heal and that God will heal you. So, you know, like I said, it can be trauma and emotional neglect and narcissistic abuse and all the emotional issues that come from that can be very tenacious and it can be very entrenched and it can be very difficult to get that out of your body. But please hear me when I tell you, if you can find the source of your trauma, if you know you've experienced trauma, if you believe yourself and validate yourself and you get validation from other people about experiences you've had and you start to see what's happened to you, and you can get to the root of that, then you will start to heal. And if you start working with the body and start working into those places that are entrenched in your body, and you start doing physical-based exercises and mind-based exercises that target the trauma specifically, and the reasons for the trauma and the origins of the trauma, you can heal. And The thing is, is if you have experienced childhood emotional neglect, childhood trauma, narcissistic abuse, specific traumatic events, if you've been abused or neglected long term in any way, shape or form, whether it's mentally, physically, sexually or by neglect or omission, uh, that's the thing. That's what makes this so messed up is if Maybe your parents didn't hit you. Maybe they didn't call you names and yell at you all the time. But if they didn't love you, that's all it takes. If they loved you and didn't know how to love you properly, that's all it takes. This isn't about blame. It's about getting you on the road to recovery. And unfortunately, what comes with some of that is that you'll have core feelings of unworthiness you'll start to feel like there is something fundamentally wrong with you. I mean, if you work on yourself day after day after day and you don't change and then you go to church and you talk to somebody about it and they say, well, you need to pray harder or you don't have enough faith. What do you think that's going to do to your mind? What do you think that's going to do to your belief about yourself? Somebody is literally telling you that there is something wrong with you. There is something wrong with what you're doing. And so, of course, you're going to believe that somehow at your core, you're deficient and that you were born this way. And if you're born this way, guess what? You can't heal. How can you heal if you were born this way? So you start to believe that you're internally deficient. 
And maybe you start start to see uh, a pattern of behavior or a pattern of failures in your life. Maybe you have broken relationships. Maybe you go from job to job. Maybe you struggle with your finances. That's one that I have experienced. Maybe you have other struggles in your life of just being able to get through daily life. And you feel like that there's something wrong with you and you can't overcome that. But that core feeling of unworthiness, like, why did I do that again? Why did I screw up? Why can't I get this right? What is wrong with me? And I'm here to tell you, I want you to know that I completely and totally understand you. I've been through all of that. And I want to tell you that you are not deficient. You're not born that way. You're not screwed up. And you can heal. You can heal. And if you heal the source of the trauma, the relationships, finances, and the other areas of your life where you just daily feel this sense of dread or terror will start to improve. And that will happen automatically as you heal those other areas of your life because then you can put energy into correcting those other issues. The thing is, is that you have to start believing what Christ told you and not believe the malarkey that other people have told you. Your worth is immeasurable because of what Christ did for you. We don't talk about grace enough in some places. In other places, that's all that's talked about. And I get that there's a balance there. But I believe that it is Christ's grace that is immeasurable and that can heal us. And I believe that it's two-pronged. You do the body healing work, but I also believe that you have to have the right belief about God, about who you are in Christ, and about your relationship with Him. And God loves you. His overpowering, consuming love and grace are immeasurable. He is infinitely in love with you. He is proud of you. He is pleased with you, and he wants to be part of your life. That is probably not something you hear a lot. He's proud of you, and he's pleased with you. How can he be proud of me and pleased with me? I screw up. I can't get anything right. I don't have enough faith. I don't do, like, how can God be pleased with me? God is pleased with you because If you remember the story of the prodigal son, if you remember the story of the lost sheep, um, it even says there will be more rejoicing in heaven for one person who repents than for 20, I don't know, however many people doing everything right. Which means, and it also says that the more that we have to be forgiven, the more love we will have to give, the more love that we will feel from Christ. I mean, that's the gist of it. Don't hold me to that. But that's basically what it says. In other words, if you have experienced this, then there's more grace for you. There's more love for you. There is no shortage. There's no limit. There's no portion that keeps us from having as much as we need. However much grace you need, that's how much grace you have. However much love you need, that's how much love you have. God's grace is radical. It's scandalous. Because most Christian churches can't even preach the full measure of God's grace because it's so scandalous and people are more concerned about keeping rules, about following checklists. And I'm not saying that living right is not important. What I'm saying is this. Hear me out. Hear me out. You don't live right and check boxes and do the healing work and then God comes to you and gives you grace. You come to God, he gives you grace, and then you're able to live right and heal. It comes in that order. We come to him real. We come to him raw. We come to him just as we are. We come to him saying, God, I just can't get anything right. God, they told me I didn't have enough faith. God, I've done all this healing work and I'm still feeling bad and feeling this way and making the same mistakes. God, I screwed up again. You come to God just as you are, and then you allow God's infinite grace to wash over you. You allow his love to be like an ocean wave. It knocks you upside down. It's radical. It's transformational. It's a chain-breaking reality. 
God's love, Christ's love, and Christ's grace is infinite, and it is not insufficient for for anything. It is more than enough. It is more than sufficient. It can heal your trauma along with doing the healing work, but the key is to receive God's love first, to receive God's grace first, to experience that radical, overpowering, beautiful insane, crazy love that God has for you that you can see throughout the scriptures. And then you come to God just as you are and allow yourself to be washed in that love. And you receive that grace. And then because Christ first loved you, you're able to love him. You're able to do the healing work. You're able to target the core roots of your trauma. Christ did that for me. God did that for me. I'm still on this healing journey and it's harder than I ever thought it could be. I'm not going to lie. It is hard. And there are some ways where it feels like in the last three years, things have gotten tougher. But it's like, even though things have gotten tougher, I've been able to meet those situations with more embodied presence, with more mindfulness, with more tools in my tool belt because I've been doing the healing work, because I've been allowing Jesus to take the wheel, because I've been giving it to God, because I've been allowing God's grace and God's radical love to heal me first and then use that, come from a place there. Do you see the difference Do you see how if you're in works, you're going to be trying to heal and you're going to come from a place of insufficiency? But if you're in Christ's grace and you're in his love, you feel safe, you feel secure. Maybe there's still parts of your body that are feeling unsafe and fight or flight. I get that. But there's a base there, a motive there where you feel safe and you feel loved and you're coming from Christ's grace. You're coming from that foundation rooted in his love, knowing that he loves you just as you are, knowing that you don't have to do anything to be in that place, knowing that you don't have to earn that love. You can't do anything to earn that love. No amount of healing work will change that God loves you. No amount of healing work will give you more grace because you already have all of it. And so coming from that place and that foundation, knowing that, then you do the healing work. And when you do it from that place, then that's where healing begins, especially when you're doing it at those roots at the same time. Does that make sense? God's grace and his love is overpowering. And I wanted to share something with you from the Ragamuffin Gospel. I don't know if you've heard of Brendan Manning, but his work, the Ragamuffin Gospel, is a life changer. It's a beautiful book. He is a priest, a Catholic priest. I think he might be a Jesuit. Don't hold me to that. I wanted to read a quote from his book about grace. And I want you to really think about how this applies to you, how this applies to your life, how this applies to your relationship with God, and how it allows you to have that foundation, that place where you start with that radical love and that radical grace. So think about it from that point of view. And it says, the word we study has the same has to be the same word we pray. My personal experience of the relentless tenderness of God came not from exegetes, theologians, and spiritual writers, but from sitting still in the presence of the living word and beseeching him to help me understand with my head and heart his written word. Sheer scholarship alone cannot reveal to us the gospel of grace. We must never allow the authority of books, institutions, or leaders to replace the authority of knowing Jesus Christ personally and directly. When the religious views of others interpose between us and the primary experience of Jesus as the Christ, we become unconvicted and unpersuaded, unpersuasive travel agents handing out brochures to places we have never visited. And Grace calls out, you are not just a disillusioned old man who may die soon, a middle-aged woman stuck in a job and desperately wanting to get out, a young person feeling the fire in the belly begin to grow cold. You may be insecure, inadequate, mistaken, or pot-bellied. Death, panic, depression, and disillusionment may be near you, but you are not just that. You are accepted. Never confuse your perception of yourself with the mystery that you really are accepted. For ragamuffins, God's name is mercy. 
We see our darkness as a prized possession because it drives us into the heart of God. Without mercy, our darkness would plunge us into despair. I wanted to also share with you some quotes about God's grace by Philip Yancey, and he wrote a great book called What's So Amazing About Grace, another one that greatly touched my life. What's So Amazing About Grace by Philip Yancey. And he says, having spent time around, quote, sinners and also around purported saints, I have a hunch why Jesus spent so much time with the former group. I think he preferred their company because the sinners were honest about themselves and had no pretense. Jesus could deal with them. In contrast, the saints put up airs, judged him, and sought to catch him in a moral trap. In the end, it was the saints, not the sinners, who arrested Jesus. And he also says, Grace is free only because the giver himself has borne the cost. And grace is everywhere, like lenses that go unnoticed because you are looking through them. So it's important for us to spend time focusing on grace, reveling in grace, meditating on grace, soaking in grace. There's a lot of great um, YouTube videos out there where you can do meditations and soakings and listen to talks and listen to all kinds of different things on grace. Now, of course, you need to balance that with other teachings, but overall, grace is the key to healing, and grace is the place from which you come to God in order to allow Him to give you the insights, the strategies, and the modalities to heal. And keep in mind that all of those strategies and modalities are gifts from God. But, you know, I know what it feels like to feel unworthy, and I know what it's like to do your best at something and be told that you're not doing good enough. And I know what it feels like to be in works and to be in the law. And that's why we trauma survivors, more than anybody else, we all need Christ's grace. We all need his grace. But we especially do. And we especially need to dwell there as much as we can possibly dwell there. And that's why it's so important to start from that place and that be the foundation and then do the healing work and do it based on what we know about trauma now. And um, when we hurt, though, we're not ourselves. There is a self to us that is not any of those things. And that is the person that Christ died for. And all the things that are hurting us are the reasons that Christ died. And then... That's why when we hurt, we feel like an animal in a trap. That's why people do crazy things like cut and like um, starving themselves and like taking drugs and drinking and numbing their pain because it's so unbearable committing suicide. It's the pain that is so difficult and we're wired to run away from, to avoid and to get rid of pain at any cost. But it's in that place. It's in that place where we're safe with God, that we can face that pain, that we can understand that pain, that we can realize that we're safe in a larger context. And that is why we're able to face that pain and heal it finally. And then when we feel that pain and when we process that pain and when we let that pain pass back through our bodies, through our neural networks, that's when we heal. And that's when we start to feel lighter and better and more human and more ourselves. And I wanted to talk about two philosophies that are common in Christianity, but also common in the world and in spirituality. And I wanted to just talk about why those philosophies, even though both may have a little bit to offer this world, why I believe that they can actually cause more harm than good, and why I believe that they can actually re-traumatize you. And one of those is the law of attraction and the prosperity gospel. You're not going to hear me talk a lot about specific teachings or philosophies of Christianity and like go into about why I think that they're good or bad or healthy or unhealthy or scriptural or unscriptural. But um, I believe that people that have suffered from trauma and loss and grief, and they've done all the healing work and they've spun their wheels in the mud and they haven't been able to heal. 
and then they try the prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about the fact that God can and will intervene in your life. I'm not talking about the fact that God can and will bless you, even materially. I believe those things. But what I'm talking about is when the whole basis of your faith is prosperity gospel. I'm talking about when the whole basis of your faith is you have to think this way in order for that to happen and that all of the results of it lies in how you think and what you do. And that's the foundation. That, do you see the difference? The foundation of grace is not based in what you do. It's based in what Christ did. The foundation of grace is not about how good you can think, how positive you can be, how good you can perform. It's about what Christ already did for you and you can rest in that. You don't have to perform. You can rest in that. And coming from that place of rest, then you do those specific healing works. But it's not works of the flesh. It's works of the spirit. And that's why you heal because you're coming from that place. But that prosperity gospel, what I did, um, I tried doing law of attraction stuff for years And I just started becoming paranoid about what I thought. I thought, if I think this too much, I'm going to attract poverty. I'm going to attract cancer. I'm going to attract chaos. Well, this happened in the previous three times, so it's going to happen again. Do you see where your own thoughts become the basis and you just become neurotic and crazy about all this? That's why you need to come from a place of grace instead of striving and works. And then the other one that I wanted to talk about was, I, I, I don't know that I can give this a specific name, but um, in a lot of churches, you hear more about how you're depraved, how you're a bad person. And while we are all sinners, you hear more about your sin than you do about the grace that comes with that sin. And I choose to focus on the grace more than the sin. Now, we do need to take evaluation and you know, um, accountability of what we're doing wrong and repent and heal from that. But I believe that that's supposed to be a soothing and healing process, not one where you're like prodded with an electric prod and punished and you go through um, wailing and wearing sackcloth in order to be worthy. And then maybe God will hear your pleas and maybe forgive you. That is not how it works. We come just as we are. But I've heard too many places, there's something wrong with you. You don't have enough faith. You're a bad person. You're depraved. And that the nature of humanity is that we're depraved. And I just believe that with grace, that trumps all of that. And so the whole belief about Calvinistic depravity, you're a bad person, you're depraved. God's mad at you is the basis of that. God is mad at you. And I felt for a long time, no matter what I did, it was not right. I My intentions were good. I tried. I wasn't a saint. I screwed up. I had some bad intentions at times, but I tried overall and I always came back to God. And I always felt like there was something wrong with me and that I couldn't get it right and that I was being punished. And therefore, God was mad at me. Well, if you're coming from a place of grace, I'm going to tell you some things that are going to sound kind of crazy and cuckoo. One, if you're, if God died for us, if he gave up his life, if he went through the most agonizing death in order to show us that he loves us and to free us and to be a chain breaker, and you accept that love and that grace and you live in that, then God is not mad at you. There is nothing wrong with you. God is pleased with you just as you are because he has made everything whole and new. And God is not mad at you. I'll say it again. God is not mad at you. So if you make a mistake, God just wants you to come to him and talk to him about it and work on it. God is not pursuing you and after you because he wants to punish you, because he wants to bring you back in and correct you. He does want to correct you, but he wants to correct you because he loves you. And he wants to correct you because he wants you to live the life that he promised. And he wants to correct you because he sees you already as whole, healed, and complete. And he wants to manifest that in your life in reality. And he is pleased with you and he is happy with you and he loves you. And you are more than enough in him. 
That is what God thinks of you. You may be in a state of fight or flight. You may be feeling like there's something wrong with you. You may be feeling like something is never quite right. You may be feeling like the other shoe's going to drop. Do you, does that sound familiar? Because I sure as heck know how that feels. I know how it feels to have that low-grade dread all the time in that prison that you live in, and then you just have to act like everything's okay. It sucks. But I'm here to tell you that God can heal you of that. He can help you. It will come back, and then you just need to go back and spend some time with God in that grace, in that place of already being complete, in that place of already being healed. It's about being. It's not about thinking and works. It's about being. Does that make sense? And then out of that comes the work that you do to do the healing process. So when you have an experience like that, talk to God about it. He cares about you. He cares about every detail of your life. You are not bad. You are not deficient. There is nothing wrong with you. The other shoe is not going to drop. You are safe. You feel this way because you have been programmed for fear, trauma, anger, and danger. But there is nothing wrong with you. And you are safe because you're surrounded by that grace. You're surrounded by that love. Go read Psalms 119 and think about that in terms of God's grace. That is your protection that God promised you. And you need to live from that place. And the more you do it, the more you meditate on it, the more you pray about it, the more you think about it, the more you read on it, the more you soak in it, the more you will become that in your reality. And yeah, sounds a little bit like the law of attraction and the prosperity gospel. You think it, you be it. But this is coming from a different mindset. It's coming from a place where you're already that way. It's coming from a place where you are putting God First, where you're putting God's grace first, where you're soaking in God's unconditional love and that safety that that provides you. God wants you just as you are. He's not relentless about you because he wants you to be punished and he wants you to be corrected. He's relentless about you because he loves you. He does not want to condemn you. He did not come to kill, heal, and destroy. He came to give you life and life in abundance, which means he wants to heal you, love you, and nurture you. And he's the one who can heal you and pull you out of that trap so you can be yourself, so you can think clearly, so you're not always wondering what is wrong with me, so you're not feeling like you're intrinsically deficient, so you feel safe, so you don't always feel that sense of dread, so you feel like good things can happen and they actually do. He wants to guide you on your healing journey and he will do it as many times as it takes. He knows that that's part of the process. You're going to screw up. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to mess up. That's part of the process. That's okay. Life is messy. God knew that about that when he got you. He's not going to get any surprises. He loves you anyway. He's going to pick you back up and he's going to say, dust yourself off and let's get going again. Come on, let's move forward. Let's heal. You know, he is knows that that's part of the process. That is the process. So not only should you know that that's part of the process, but accept it. Screw up. Pick yourself up. Say, God, I'm sorry. I messed up. Let's try this again. And then see what you need to adjust. you got to think about it. That metacognition, that thinking about your thinking allows you to not do what some people say is the definition of madness. Do the same thing over and over and over again and keep making the same mistake. Keep falling down. Now, even when you do it right, you're not always going to get it right. But thinking about how you can change your methods, thinking about how you can keep trying and adjusting, you will eventually get it right. And you're going to take two steps forward and one step back. That's part of the process too. So even when you get it right twice, you might get it wrong once. That's okay. Learn. It's messy. It's part of the process. You're safe. It's okay to make mistakes. God's got your back. God's got your back. That's part of grace. Grace is not an excuse to sin. Grace is is a safe landing place when you make mistakes and you ask God to forgive you. You get back up and you say, God, what happened there? Let's talk about it. Let's figure this out together. Let's be a team and let's work on this. God loves you and he wants you to heal and he will guide you through this process. He will ask you those questions. 
So when will things come together for me, you may be asking. How will I heal? When will I heal? Well, you know, I don't have all the answers to that. But I do know about the process of healing. And what I can tell you about the process of healing is that the bamboo and the acorn need to be rooted deeper in order to grow taller. I'll say that again. The bamboo and the acorn need to be rooted deeper in order to grow taller. And if you have a special calling on your life, not only will God use the experiences and the hurt that you've had to give you beauty for ashes, but he will actually take those things and make them into something more beautiful than they could have ever been if you had never experienced them. And that's why, this is hard to hear, but hear me out. Hear me out. Sometimes God doesn't take you up when he heals you. Sometimes he takes you down even deeper when he's healing you. It's in those dark, deep, earthy places or that dwelling at the bottom of the ocean where you do your deepest healing work. God really started working on me about three years ago and I thought that I was my income was going to increase. I thought that my business would take off. I thought that all these good things would happen. And I have found a presence and a love and a healing and progress in my life I never imagined on the inside. But did all that stuff happen on the outside? No. I actually ended up going through tougher times. The pandemic hit. I ended up having some PTSD experiences in my environment. Um, I lost a lot of relationships. Very close ones. A lot of them ended. I had to set boundaries with people. I went through a lot of hurt, a lot of loneliness. And things, in some ways, actually got worse. But hear me out here. Hear me out here. That is, if, if you go through that process, you'll find that your healing becomes deeper. You'll find that God's love for you is even deeper. And that even though God takes you down, that's so you can get that rich soil and you can get those roots and you can get rooted deep, deep. And then you come back up. I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I believe God has great things in store for my life. And sometimes I doubt it, but I know he does. And he takes you into those deep places so you can be deeply rooted. And so you can become the bamboo. You can become the acorn. And I want to read to you something about the bamboo so you can understand what I'm talking about um, in terms of what is the healing process and journey like. It's deep. It's rich. It's rooted. It's powerful. It's real. That's what it's like. And God will use those deep experiences in your life to make you real, to make you rooted, to make you compassionate, to make you a rich person in terms of what you can offer the world. And your experiences will be richer. And he takes those broken pieces and creates a beautiful mosaic where those broken pieces become a stained glass window. And when the light hits it, there's so much texture and richness and color and beauty that you can't even you can't even fathom how beautiful it is. And I'm not rationalizing here. I'm telling you my own experience. I'm telling you so many people who have shared their experiences with me. Things sometimes do get worse before they get better, but they do get better. Hold on. Do not give up. Do not give up. Keep going. It will get better. I promise you it'll get better. So I want to tell you, read to you the story of the Chinese bamboo tree. This is based on a traditional Chinese proverb. And one thing too, bamboo trees, why am I talking about bamboo trees and acorns that turn into oaks? Because bamboo trees are one of the mightiest trees there is. And so are oak trees. And I have the acorn acronym of healing difficult emotions. And I use that acronym for a reason because you know what an acorn becomes it's this teeny tiny little thing that a squirrel can eat it fits in the palm of your hand and you can put a handful of them in one palm and you bury it underneath this this black thick stuff and you just give it moisture and nutrients and it becomes this little shoot and it it takes forever for it to grow it's like what is wrong with this thing why won't it get bigger and it grows so slowly but slowly 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 it gets bigger and beautiful and full 
and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and fuller and fuller and fuller and it's slow and it keeps on and on and on and God never gives up on it and it takes years and years but guess what it's rooted deeper than most things that's why it takes longer it's bigger than most things it's more beautiful than most things it's mightier than more things that's why it takes longer and so the bamboo the Chinese bamboo tree is the same way And I'm looking at Women's Network, Women's Network, the story of the bamboo. And it says, the parable of the Chinese bamboo tree teaches us lessons about patience, faith, perseverance, growth, and development, and importantly, human potential. Like any plant to flourish, the Chinese bamboo tree requires nurturing, water, fertile soil, and sunshine. I would say grace, healing work, and targeting the trauma. In the first year, there are no visible signs of activity or development. In the second year, again, no growth above the soil. Does that sound familiar? And then the third and fourth, still no signs. Patience is tested and we begin to wonder if our efforts will ever be rewarded. Finally, in the fifth year, voila, there is growth. And what growth it is, the Chinese bamboo tree grows 80 feet in just six weeks. And I'm not saying you're going to grow 80 feet in six weeks, even metaphorically, but I'm wanting you to see that it's patience and that it's deep rooting and that it's grace, rooting in that grace and that love that allows you to be nurtured and to become something mighty through that experience of God taking you deeper, taking you down sometimes into even more difficult situations. So the question is, does the Chinese bamboo tree really grow 80 feet in six weeks? Did it lie dormant for four years only to grow exponentially in the fifth? Or was the little tree growing underground, developing a root system and a stable base strong enough to support its potential for outward growth in the fifth year and beyond? If the tree had not developed a strong, unseen foundation, it could not have sustained its life as it grew. Just as a house needs to have a strong foundation to survive, the same principle is true for people. Success and your, it says your speaking career, but the same is true for your healing process, I would say. People toil towards their dreams and goals, build strong character while overcoming adversity and challenge, and grow the strong internal foundation to handle success, while those who chase, quote, the quick buck, or they do the law of attraction. I'm not dissing the law of attraction completely, but I'm just saying that, like, if it's not that strong foundation, if you're not rooted deeply, if you're not coming from that place of grace and love, it's not going to last. Like God talking about having your house built on the rock instead of the sand. Sand, um, But, you know, you're unable to sustain that, that situation because it doesn't have that root. And it doesn't have the root to grow tall, big, and strong. Um, and so had the farmer dug up the little seed every year to see if it was growing, he would have just stunted the Chinese bamboo tree's growth. As surely as a fledgling bird is doomed if it's freed from its struggle of breaking through the shell prematurely. Or a butterfly struggling with the cocoon. Those are good metaphors too. You can't, if you see a butterfly and it's struggling with its cocoon, you do not break it out of its cocoon. Because if you do, it will die. You, it has to go through that struggle. And that's how it builds the strength in its wings so that it can fly and be, be a beautiful butterfly. The struggle in the egg is what gives the little bird the strength to grow and flourish. Just as tension against muscle as we exercise strengthens our muscles while muscles left alone will soon atrophy. That's why it's so sad that some people think that they're doing their children a favor by sheltering them from all struggle, from all disappointment, from all challenges. It's one thing to be harsh with children, and that's what a lot of us um, understand. But the other extreme is over-sheltering and not letting people learn from those experiences. And that's why God lets us go through those things. That's why he takes us deeper, but he roots us in the safety of his love and his grace. And it says the Chinese bamboo tree is a perfect parable for our own experience with our personal growth and change. And I would say trauma healing too. And it says, and change is never easy. Often signs of progress are slow, frustrating, and unrewarding at times. But it is so worth it, especially if we can be patient and persistent. And that's why I use the metaphor of the acorn in my dealing with difficult emotions because you don't do it 
You don't heal with one exercise. You heal with the accumulation of hundreds of days of work. And it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of patience. And healing ain't for the faint of heart. And it's in the struggle. When I say struggle, I don't mean you're struggling, but I mean struggling with it. Like Jacob wrestling the angel, like the butterfly coming out of the cocoon, like the bamboo slowly coming up through the dirt. Those strong, deep roots give you strength. And then you can't be knocked over anymore. You're healed. You live the life that God promised for you. The way God takes you cannot be any other way. And so that's how he makes you into the bamboo, into the oak tree, into the glorious stained glass window. What God does with our broken pieces and our trauma, he makes them into beauty. What God does with our years and years of growth and healing and learning is he makes a mighty oak. He makes a tall, beautiful bamboo tree. So open up yourself so you can let the light in. Ground yourself in the roots with your roots in God's love, in God's grace. And I promise you, I promise you, if you stay there, if you dwell there, if you allow God to heal you and protect you and make you feel safe, and you do from that place the healing work, it may be a year, it may be two years, it may be five years, but you will see results in your life. And it may be another five years or another 10 years, but you'll start to see healing in your relationships. You'll start to see changes in your finances. Am I promising you you're going to be rich? No. But I'm saying you'll find that job because your mindset will be healed. Then the results will start to show in your outer life in visible ways over time. And I know you don't want to hear this, but it may take some time. And that kind of sucks, but that's part of the process. And if you'll stick with it, I promise, I promise you'll see changes internally, which is the most important, but also externally. So please don't give up. Don't give up. Stick with it and you'll see the fruits of your labor come to pass. And I just wanted to do a podcast on expanding on that YouTube video I did years ago that God will heal your emotional trauma and abuse. He will heal you. And you're not deficient. There's nothing wrong with you. You can heal and God will heal you. God will heal you. Okay. And so that's the episode. Please check out my Patreon account. The Patreon, you can subscribe and pay $5, $8, $10, or $20 a month and get exclusives you can't get anywhere else, including a download of the Acorn Meditation, four versions of it. You can get early access to the podcast by a week, and you can get a shout out on one of my episodes or one of my YouTube videos for your contributions. And if you just want to contribute... There are also a couple of options there where if you don't want the exclusives, you can just contribute. But if you contribute to the Patreon account, you're helping me to help other people, to encourage them to live the life that God meant for them to live. And that helps me because I'm, you know, I'm not doing this for profit. I'm doing this because I love what I do. I'm passionate about it. I believe in it. But I also have bills to pay. And that is a reality. And that helps me to put the money back in the podcast. It helps me to be able to put more stuff out because I can spend more time on this. And it's a labor of love. So anything you can do to help me help other trauma heal, healing um, process survivors, anything that you can do is greatly appreciated. Also, check out the YouTube video, Christian Emotional Recovery. I will link the original video in this um the show notes, and also check out the Christian Emotional Recovery Facebook page with the same name. Thank you so much. God bless you. And remember, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God loves you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Christian Emotional Recovery, hosted by Rachel Leroy. For links to this week's resources and to join the discussion, Check out this episode's show notes at christianemotionalrecovery.com, where you can also find links to our YouTube channel and Facebook group. Join our email list and get other episodes and resources. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review the podcast and tell a friend who may benefit from this message. See you next time. And remember, beloveds, God loves you.
and you are fearfully and wonderfully made.